that's when I got involved in, in the fellowship. So I had been around church for a long time and had heard of a lot of Christianity, churchianity. And when I came to the Lighthouse and came to the Christian Fellowship Ministries, I said, these guys are doing what the other guys are just talking about. And I said, oh, this is really legit. And things really started to take off for me. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, hello and welcome back to the Virginia Beach Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Adam with you, and uh, we are very excited for this Testimony Tuesday. Once again, uh, wonderful to be able to connect with pastors from across our fellowship, all in the name of raising up a, uh, hopefully, a generous donation for our Chandler Conference coming up in the last month of September. And you guys, uh, all of those who are subscribers, uh, you are making that possible. So we appreciate your subscriptions. And even if you are not a subscriber, you're along for the ride. We appreciate you joining us for this uh, for this episode. And we are very excited to uh, welcome him a pastor that I have never met before, but uh, got your contact. And uh, so uh, welcome to the show, Pastor Mike Ash- Ashcraft. Hello. Thank you, Pastor Adam. It's great to be here. This is awesome. You're East Coast, I'm West Coast, and we're bridging the 3,000 miles between us. How does that work? I don't know. It's hitting a satellite somewhere along the way, I'm sure. Wonderful. But, <laughs> so, uh, wow, it's it's great to hear from you. I should t- tell the audience uh, how I heard about you. You actually sent me a couple of text messages uh, that I was curious about, but didn't really do a lot of uh, follow-up on. Um, so tell me about those financial seminars that you have been doing for anyone that might be interested. Right. So um, I'm doing financial seminars and actually I'm secularly, I'm doing financial profession. And so supporting myself in the ministry, like probably almost all of us are doing, 95% of us pastors probably are supporting ourselves in the ministry. And so God pushed me into this, which is kind of a funny thing to do because I never really liked finances. As a matter of fact, I used to say that I hated finances. I let my wife balance the checkbook. I let her pay the bills. I said, Diana, you be in charge of finances. I'm no good at finances. And then God pushes me into finances. And I find myself here. If it weren't for God telling me to get into finance and really study these issues out, I wouldn't be doing this. So I'm starting these financial seminars, which you mentioned. And the reason why is because as I begin to talk to a lot of the pastors in the fellowship, we get some really heartbreaking stories because a lot of our churches have 
emphasized, and, and, and it's a good emphasis, they have emphasized the need to not be swayed by money, not to give place to greed, not to be distracted by money. So obviously that's, that's a primary message that we need to constantly hit so that people will do the things that we're wanting to do, which is save souls, plant churches, disciple men, and uh, obviously money can be a major competitor against that, right? But unfortunately, uh, somewhere we've lost the message of good stewardship. Mm. And a lot of pastors, we're seeing tragic situations where, you know, the wife supported the husband to go out into the field. She went all in. She left everything behind. And then 10, 20 years later, he has a tragedy. He passes away. And she's left with nothing. So she left everything and is left with nothing. And so that tragic situation is a story that I'm, I'm hearing about. It's breaking my heart. And so I'm trying to educate pastors to also be good stewards with their finances. That sort of problem really can be avoided if we use a little bit of a, they just take some time to look into it and research option and prepare for mm. that. Yeah, I think that's that's well needed. We don't want to leave our wives and our families in in the lurch uh, in the same way that we wouldn't want to, you know, leave our churches uh, up a creek, you know, and uh, if we get in trouble. But uh, yeah, I think that's a very worthy cause. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, maybe before we close. But uh, for those who don't know you, which includes me, uh, maybe you can tell our audience uh, the, the short conference style version of your name, your wife, and where you are, and a little bit of your history. Great. I'm Pastor Michael Ashcraft. Uh, my wife, Diana Ashcraft, we're currently pastoring in Van Nuys, which is a section of the San Fernando Valley, which is part of Los Angeles. We've been there for six years. We are still in a park, believe it or not. Uh, and so I enjoy that because so many people pass by the preaching and they hear the gospel. I was actually born in the San Fernando Valley. I grew up going to school in the San Fernando Valley, did not have the most pleasant childhood. So when I left the San Fernando Valley, I swore that I would never come back. And you know how God is when mm. you say never to God, then he winds up many times pushing you back to where you were. Um, I mean, I got saved when I was 12 years old um, through Christian, seeing a miracle, a lady in a, in a wheelchair stood up, they prayed over her, uh, she stood up, she started walking around, she started pushing the wheelchair around, and as much as a 12-year-old could realize in that moment, I understood that God was more than just from 2,000 years ago and more than just way beyond the clouds. I understood that he was very present in this world and wanting to actively be involved in our lives. And I accepted him joyfully into my heart. And that's, that's when I first, I got saved when I was 12. It's been an up and down road since then. Hasn't it for all of us, right? Sure. <laughs> wow. So, um, okay, I've got some some amazing questions for you all already. You <clears throat> mentioned that you had a not so good childhood. Can you fill us in why it was not so good? Yeah. Um, so my dad was very antisocial in the sense that he did not like to be around people. So I didn't get, I think, a lot of social skills that normally a boy would get from his father. And so I was really socially awkward. I was that kid that would look at others 
and be thinking, oh, I wish I'd be friends with them. And they would be looking at me like, why are you staring at us? It was really awkward. And so I didn't have friends pretty much through all the way through to high school. Um, I could say that I started to make friends in, in college, but I was kind of friendless. And um, yeah, I was had a lot of depression, loneliness. Um, and so, you know, coming to Jesus was part of the solution for that. And then finding some Christian friends in college was part of the solution to that unpleasant childhood. And then coming to the Lighthouse Church in Santa Monica, that really helped out because I found similarly uh, people with a similar sentiment and a passion for God. And so I really resonated and thrived in the Lighthouse Church. Did you have brothers and sisters? One brother, and he is an engineer, just like my father. And uh, yeah, he didn't really care to be too terribly social, although he was more social than my father was. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it sounds like your family was pretty tight knit, other than being a little antisocial. Actually, um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Thanks for asking that question. Uh, we had we were four people in the family, and we had this big five-bedroom house in the San Fernando Valley. And after dinner, it was pretty, ma pretty much everyone to their own room. Every, nobody could agree on what show to watch on TV. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so we didn't have internet. We just had TV. And uh, it was a very lonely experience. It was lonely really? in the family. So the lesson, the takeaway that I got from that was that money was not the cause of happiness. Mm. And that's a good first thing to say if you're going to ask me about why am I financial professional. I think the basis needs to be, yeah, Jesus is the answer for everything and money is just a tool. Uh, so I grew up realizing that money was not the thing, uh, it was not the cause of happiness, and so I had a desire in my heart to, to serve the Lord, fell into the Lighthouse Church, started going to conference. Uh, we are under the Tucson Pastor Harold Warner Church, his conference. And wow, those did a number on me. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So I, without becoming, you know, a uh, uh, overly uh, therapeutic session, I, I'm just a little curious about why you think you're your your dad was that way was it something that is in the family history and kind of brought into your into your family unit as well i think he had asperger's oh really i didn't know it at the time i don't think many people knew about asperger's uh but it it, it seemed very strange that he was just very into himself always you know this uh, crotchety grouch i mean he was not a bad father i'm not you know he wasn't womanizing he wasn't out Partying. He was a very responsible man, but he was into his himself and his own things and uh, really not into our lives very much. I mean, I played park soccer, park baseball, didn't go to a single game. For, wow. I was in it for five years, not one game. And did he ever play with me? Once he played with me and he fell and broke his ankle, oh. throwing a ball with me. How does that happen? But um, I think he took that as a lesson like, see, I shouldn't have played with you kind of thing. Because uh, <laughs> from then on out, um, I can't complain. He would always help me with my homework, which I needed. Math helped in high school. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I did the, the way that my father was, I think, deprived me of a lot of social skills that I could have and maybe should have gotten. And so left me awkward. And who wants to hang out with the kid 
that th this was me. Okay. You can't see now, but I used to have very pronounced freckles on my face. And so the kids in grade school called me freckle face. And so what would I do? I would say, stop, stop saying that. So that's how I was. Of course, that's victory for the taunters. <laughs> and so they would do it all the more. Right. And so I, you know, I just did not know what to do or how to respond or how to fit in or how to act cool like all the kids. And that's just how I grew up. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, that this is going to be encouraging for somebody because uh, you, you're not mm -hmm. the only socially awkward person that, who has ever, you know, come to the kingdom. And uh, uh, even uh, the, the last episode that we recorded was with a pastor from Switzerland, Matthias Kipfer who also described kind of being uh, may maybe not as socially awkward, but more like uh, someone who didn't feel like he had a confidence to, for public speaking, for being on a stage, for being in the public eye, things like that. And so it's really encouraging to, to, to know things like that about, about, you know, about the history of pastors in our fellowship, because that gives great hope to people that they can develop, they can grow, and they can become something more than their history says. And it's absolutely astonishing how God got me out of being so socially awkward to now being a guy who goes out and street preaches and yeah. preaches constantly in front of people. And hopefully I've lost a lot of that social awkwardness now. How did God do that? It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, because in college, I at the time, I was trying to become a journalist. I was very much interested in writing, very much interested in journalism. So I wasn't trying to be a pastor at that time. That dream kind of had died out in my life uh, for that moment. But I wanted to be a journalist. And so to be a journalist, you have to interview people. Mm. And uh, I liked writing, but I didn't like interviewing people. But I had to interview people. So what I would do every day, you're interviewing somebody new, some stranger. So what I would do as a college journalist is I would go to my interview and I would interview. I would never look them in the eye. I would always mm. be looking up at the sky or down at the floor. And I'm sure my face was turning red. But doing that again and again and again and again and again, and I eventually lost that shyness, that social awkwardness, gained some confidence and then you know came out of that shell so there's an encouragement there that you can do it uh how, what are the steps you know i i'm putting it all up on god he's the one who did it he put it in my heart to want to be a journalist and that helped develop me so just trust the process that god's got you in he's going to develop the giftings in you that you are going to need for your future that's yeah. what i think well, that's really interesting too, because you said God put puts it on your heart to do something yeah. like that, but but you're the one who had to, you know, to uh, to make those appointments, and you're the one who had to sit there in front of those people, uh, even though it was uncomfortable for you. So you played a part as well, and I think that's important for people to know that they've got to they've got to take a few steps also. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, uh, the other thing I'm curious about, you said you got saved when you were 12 years old that's also fairly unusual to either it's uh you know late teenage years or or more you know uh we, we hear the stories of people who get their lives messed up in drugs and alcohol and things like that and then get saved later on but um th does that mean that there was a history of uh religious practice in your family 
So my mother went to the Methodist church and she dragged us to the Methodist church. My father quit going to the Methodist church because of his antisocial attitudes. Uh, and I didn't like it, nor did my brother. It was incredibly boring because it was very religious. But there was some kind of background in God. Okay. And so my mom, she went through a very uh, disillusioning experience where some summer vacation, we weren't able to go on the vacation trip. And she was out in the yard weeding, and she was asking God, why, God, why? I didn't know she was going through it at the time. I just saw her out there weeding. And so then she she watched Trinity Broadcasting Network one day. I don't know how she got onto it. She got saved. Wow. And my brother and I, I remember, I'm only 12, but my brother and I were making fun of her. How does it occur to a 12-year-old to make fun of his mother watching Christian television? Why? That's the weirdest thing. The only thing I can say is that the devil was there, even in me at 12 years old. But... So she started praying for us, and after about, I'd say, two months, she got us to watch a, a Christian program in which there was this healing going on, and that's where I saw the healing, and that's where I had the rush of joy and peace, realizing that Jesus uh, was, was more than a distant God, way beyond the clouds, looking at the earth and slapping his forehead and saying, oh, no, they're doing another war. Oh, these people. <laughs> I realized that, that God was more than that, that he wanted to be in my heart. Wow, that, that's uh, amazing. So you, you got saved watching this on, on the television then. Right. So that, that means you were probably not connected to a church early on. Um, I went to a youth group at a four-square church in Chatsworth, and then when I came to my college, UCLA, that's when I got involved in, in the fellowship. So I had been around church for a long time and had heard of a lot of Christianity, churchianity, and when I came to the Lighthouse and came to the Christian Fellowship Ministries, I said, these guys are doing what the other guys are just talking about. Mm. And I said, oh, this is really legit. And things really started to take off for me from there. Wow. I, I, can, I can remember having a similar um, reaction when the first couple of times that I came to the door church in Chandler. And for, for, <laughs> I, I say this to people kind of jokingly, but, but not. I, I said the most important part of the service to me was the announcements. When I heard... <laughs> When I heard the pastor saying, this Friday, we're going to go out to the street and we're going to preach. And that was like, what? Are, that's, I read that in the Bible. I never heard of church people doing that, you know? So that was pretty mind-blowing to see that people actually cared about evangelism and, and winning souls. And so I said, I got, this, that caught my attention. Yeah, the first time I came into the Lighthouse Church, it was my pastor's preaching, Pastor Rob Scrivener. He preached hard. And I remember going up to the altar, I was literally like scared, you know, because of the inconsistencies in my life. And I was, I thought there at the altar, I'm like, man, this church scares me. <laughs> that was thought number one. And then thought number two was, man, I need this church. Yeah. <laughs> and I started going ever since then. Wow. How old were you when you came in? Um, I was 22. Okay. And, and what were the circumstances that brought you there? A friend invited me, uh, I, I felt like God wanted me to change churches. I'd been away for six months. I had spent three months in Guatemala, I'm sorry, Guadalajara, Mexico, learning Spanish. 
Uh, of course, you knew that because as a missionary in Guatemala, I'd better speak Spanish, right? So I had spent in a, a, a study abroad program three months there, and then I did an internship in Knoxville for three months. And when I came back, I felt like God was really moving me out of the church that I was attending. And a, and a roommate invited me. He said, hey, I want to invite you to this church. Actually, he got invited. So I went. I stayed. He didn't. It's funny how often that happens. Usually it's the, the one that you think is going to do well, but it's it's the friend <laughs> that ends up being the one. You can never who tell That's who's right. going to do well. I, I learned that in Guatemala. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to talk about Guatemala with you. Uh, but but tell me first, what was the environment in the in the church there, Pastor Scribner, Pastor Scribner, and and what what uh, what was God doing there? Yeah. So Pastor Scribner had just taken over the church. The previous pastor had fallen into adultery at the time. I didn't know anything about any of that, and uh, he um, he really felt like Pastor Warner reached out to him. Because the church is actually technically Foursquare. It's still Foursquare because Foursquare owns the building, but we participate more with the fellowship because when Pastor Rob was kind of reeling from losing his own pastor and him being named the pastor by Foursquare, he felt very disoriented. And at a time of need, Pastor Warner invited him and told him, sponsored him as a delegate to come to conference. And he really felt like uh, that helped him to put the ship on the right course. And so he said, hey, Pastor Warner, can you be my pastor? And he's looked up to Pastor Warner since then. So Pastor Rob takes over the church, and he's just a very intense guy. He used to be a football player for the UCLA and for the Rams, and he's just he's just full on 100 miles an hour, 16 cylinders constantly, and he preaches that way. And it was always challenging. And, and one of the things that really challenged me, again, talking about this issue of money to lay a foundation, was that he left behind situations of money, businesses where he made lots of money to be able to serve in the church. And that challenged me because at the time I wanted to be a journalist. And I was thinking, wait, he's left behind money to serve God what, what am I unwilling to leave behind to serve God? And that was part of the way God restored the call in my life. If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, 
it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.